Welcome to Sexy or Senseless, the show where we talk about whether certain sex scenes in TV shows and movies serve a purpose other than making family movie night uncomfortable. Before we start, I want to give you a quick content warning. Most of the stuff we'll be watching comes from Hollywood, and since Hollywood is trash, we'll most likely be talking about issues of consent, racism, and sexism. Also, we're going to be talking about movies and TV shows, so here is your official spoiler warning. Okay. My name is Megan Landy. Joined with me are my friends. This is Maddie. Hi, I'm Reese. I'm David, and I love watching people have sex in movies and TV. Well, good. We will need that expertise on our journey. And how. Okay, so on today's episode, we are going to be talking about The Witcher. Uh, specifically the episode Bottled Appetites. If you are unfamiliar with The Witcher, it's basically about a fella named Geralt who is a monster slayer called a witcher in the series. He is running around the world fighting monsters, trying to get back with his child of surprise. And along the way, he runs into Yennefer, a powerful witch. And together, they have many fun misadventures. Let's start talking about the very first one, the orgy scene. It starts at about 25 minutes in. And man, that's a whole bunch of people just getting down to business. Yeah, I'm concerned about the ethics of this. Uh, (laughs) Right? She just, like, makes all these people strip and, like, really go at it with each other. And they all live in a pretty small town. They probably all know each other. Yennefer doesn't know, like, what relationships these people have with each other. They could, some of them could even be related. Like, that's not great. I wouldn't want to be possessed by magic and made to have sex with people that I may or may not know. That, that doesn't seem great to me. And the worst part about all of it is that she's not even interested. She's doing this because she's bored. Mm-hmm. Right? She's just kind of sitting in the back, just kind of making sure nobody hurts each other or really just like, well, there's nothing else going on in this house. I guess I'll just basically roofie a bunch of people and watch them go at it. So she presents it as like part of a, a plan because uh, Geralt complains about the town and she's like, well, this was a fine town and I had a fine plan until you showed up but it's not really clear what that plan that she has is Mm. other than just controlling the people, I suppose through Mm. sex. Is that even part of the plan? Is that part of the plan? Yeah. She has this like scheme to make money and she has like some political machinations that she's got going and she has the like mayor under a spell, but it seems to me, I, I don't know what the details of her plan are, but it seems to me she could do all that without the big orgy in the basement. Mm-hmm. Right. And they were saying that she was basically trapped at this house, like under house arrest. At least that was what I, you know, interpreted from it. So, yeah, mm-hmm. she seems like she is just doing it because she's bored. During a later scene, the bathtub scene we're going to talk about, she talks about how she is providing a service to the stifled townsfolk. like kind of implying yeah yeah i assume that it was part of a plan i assumed it was part of a plan because earlier in the episode we see her provide magical erectile function right so it's sort of set up that she can like use her magic and combine that with sex to exert her influence or to be able to make money or like you know it's it's sort of set up as that's her way of being able to manipulate people or you know at least to me i felt like that sort of that earlier scene sort of set it up as that's how she's going to be practicing her magic to get what she wants which maybe led me to read more into what like the her motivations behind the orgy than maybe was intended yeah, I, I could totally see it as a, like, using it as a manipulation of the people. Like, maybe after the orgy, she'll be like, okay, now we all know this thing, so mm-hmm. nobody's going to mess with me anymore, right? And we're just going to let me do my business without mm-hmm. having to pay taxes or anything like that. Or yeah, wasn't that fun? Wouldn't you like more of that? Also possible. Well, it didn't seem, I mean, when she when she took the spell, like, out of commission, it didn't seem like the people in the room were very stoked about right. what had just happened. Mm, it, for sure. 
Or like mm-hmm. they even really knew what had just happened. It's like they were all just like, oh, what the what what's happening, you know? So Yeah, maybe it's like like there's the spell that she puts on Geralt later where he kind of blacks out and during that time he runs around beating up people and then he wakes up later, doesn't know what happened. Like maybe it's kind of like that. Where mm-hmm. they just that's kind of how I read into it. Yeah. Yeah. If, well, if that's the case, then it's really, really dark, right? Like it's this this mass violation of people's body autonomy and this implication that if they don't give her what she wants, then she'll do it again to them. Uh, she seems to have a pretty callous disregard for the rights of other people in a way that she, like the, the fact that maybe this is an intimidation tactic, but it seems a little overkill for just that. And the, the fact that it's motivated partially out of like a way to gain influence and, and sway over the townspeople. And also because she's bored, it just, that, that seems like, pretty damn evil to me it's it's not great yeah and i think that might tie in with kind of the whole like overarching theme of the witcher whether it be the books or the video games or the movies like it's that nobody in there is a hundred percent good or a hundred percent bad like jennifer eventually does like good things but she is definitely she's not a villain she's like yeah she's just like power drunk it seems Mm-hmm. Yeah, and or like she, overly ambitious. Yeah, and she's got a very messed up relationship to power and vulnerability and things like that. Mm-hmm. Especially like, well, you guys haven't seen the earlier episodes, but um, her childhood, where she's born with a like a severe hunch, and so people make fun of her, and she's very powerless, and like her own dad sells her to the witches after the witches find out she's got power for like i think it's like what do they say four bits or something like that um very low less than he sells like the pigs for um so she's got a very you know challenging past with autonomy and things like that so i think it's partly you know she's bored and she wants to have power over these people but it's also kind of like how she's been treated a little bit, and she assumes maybe that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, it's like trauma-informed. Yeah. But then also, the whole orgy scene is really, the way that I saw it, is really kind of played up for laughs. Like, right. It's just kind of funny that, like, Geralt and Yasker and Yennefer aren't really affected, and they just have to kind of, like, inch their way past all these naked people. Why, why is right. Yasker affected? Is that ever explained? I like. I assume Yennefer's not because she is the one doing it, and Geralt's mm-hmm. not because he's got like Witcher mutant magic stuff, which she comments on immediately. Yasker's like, I mean, he's he's dying, sure, but he's not immune to magic. Is there an mm-hmm. explanation that we're supposed to in- infer as to why he's not affected by this? Well, he's not just dying. F- from a physical ailment, right? He's under the effects of the djinn's spell. So it could be that the power of the djinn's spell is more powerful than the sex magic. I would say also that potentially Yasker is affected, but like he's just not in a physical state to really do anything about that. Like he can't (laughs) barely walk. He has trouble. Like they have a little cutback to him when like Geralt's introducing him where he just can barely move his arm up to wave at Yennefer. And he's just like sitting there. Some naked person is like petting his hair. Um, (laughs) I think he's too physically out of it to be more involved. And, and he is bleeding pretty profusely. Right. So there's, there's not enough uh, blood pressure for that, that flow to be redirected. (laughs) possible i don't think he's actively beating i think he like throws up some blood in the beginning and that kind of is from like the injury in his throat i don't know if he's still actively bleeding 
But either mm. way, he's messed up. I definitely agree that it is sort of played for laughs, especially towards the end, right? Like you see them like sort of wake up to what they've been doing and they stumble around and it's a little bit of sort of um, like physical comedy, vaudevillian sort of circus theater Mm. sort of feel to it. Yeah, I think it's played up for laughs. And then like where my mind went to immediately is that it's kind of like it it acts as like foil isn't the right word, but like a juxtaposition to the next scene, which we haven't talked about yet but like she's definitely got her guard up you can tell by like her body language and she's just doing it because she's bored and then like in the next scene she kind of like lets her guard down a little bit so I think that kind of the like over the top orgy scene kind of like is a way to put the her letting her guard down and being a little bit more like emotionally intimate to kind of like emphasize that is what where my mind went to just also like there's some new strangers and mm-hmm. want to look cool and sexy and mysterious. Right. Uh, or like she just walks through the world with her guard up, you know, probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we were talking about her traumatic past, that probably has something to do with it. And it really emphasizes that she could let her guard down or decides to let her guard down with the Witcher in the next scene. Mm-hmm. And there's also a practical reason for her doing it too, right? And mm-hmm. that she... Uh, she doesn't want to pay taxes. <laughs> that, that's that's the, true. <laughs> she, it's a libertarian uh, uh, fantasy. She, she's an <laughs> Ayn, Rand, Ayn Rand character. Uh, but but I, I mean that that is it, right? Like she is taken to their uh, to that place, like under house arrest, and she mm-hmm. like, very quickly makes it into a farce as kind of a message to the town to tell people to just leave her alone and in that sense it's just a money-making scheme more than anything else yes taxation is theft um and she's very much into the free market Mm -hmm. (laughs) i got the sense that the spell that she had on the mayor was of a similar nature to that of the orgy right he's naked when we first see him he's you know he's not in the orgy he's maybe a little more cognizant but he still seems very stupefied and uh, I don't know what the right word might be, but he seems he seems kind of in that headspace. Mm. Yeah, I assumed that he had just come out of the orgy, which I don't but know. He is completely yeah. naked. So that's yeah. a pretty good <laughs> yes, <I> assumption. Would... <laughs> I don't know, guys. Sometimes I'm so... in my own house and I'm naked going to get a snack. And naked think... and sweaty. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that was my first thought. I was like, oh, the mayor's naked in his own house. You know, I, that's understandable, I suppose. And then my thought went to, oh, he's a freak. He's, you know, he's, you know, uh, he's a libertine. Uh, and then you sort of realize that he's not in control of himself fully. Mm-hmm. And then you realize that he's actually under a spell. A spell which demands he get apple juice for the wizard. Yes. <laughs> So let's move on to the next scene. So they have this big, giant, crazy, whole town orgy. And then Yennefer says the magic safe word and they all run away. She takes care of Yasker. He's upstairs sleeping off his terrible throat wound. And then she says, Geralt, I can tell what kind of horse you have because you smell like your fucking horse and I hate that. So they have to have a bath together because that's how baths work the best of course for for context in the rest of the series too since uh reason maddie you haven't you haven't seen it and people maybe listening haven't seen it people constantly comment about how smelly Geralt is it's a pretty <laughs> like true. I think in every episode they talk about how uh his clothes suck that he's a freak because he's a mutant and that he smells really bad. Um, and yet this does not dissuade um, anyone uh, in the whole series from uh, wanting to have sex with him. Everyone wants to get with Gerald, even considering the aforementioned really gross smell that he's just apparently constantly exuding. Well, so he is constantly on the road and getting covered in, like, monster guts and stuff. So, like, dude has to smell pretty terrible. And they're, like, in medievalish times. So, like, baths are kind of hard to come by. Um, it also sort of gives me the sense of, um, like, an animal's musk, right? Like, you cover yourself in, in deer musk to attract the other deer. And it has a, like, pretty potent smell to it. 
you sort of mm. get this, uh, or at least I, I sort of have a sense of sort of uh, like a wild man, sort of right. uh, like pheromone sort of sense to that. There was, um, I can't remember, I think it was a, a tweet that I saw that was actually about uh, Chris Evans and Snowpiercer. It was like, if I met him, I would just down a whole bottle of cranberry juice and risk the UTI, because goddamn. So hot, Great. I don't even care. <laughs> Yeah, Chris, Chris Evans and uh, 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 Geralt are are both very hot people. I will, I will uh, cop to that. Um, but I don't know. I, for I can't speak for anyone else, but for me, if someone smelled like uh, monster guts and uh, horse poop, uh, I probably wouldn't want to get with them. Yeah, that would that would really kill it for me for sure. I guess that's what the bath is for. That's right. <laughs> true. She was like, if we're going to do it, you are not going to smell like horses anymore. It starts off where he's just having a bath and she is lounging beautifully by the side of the tub. Her uh, costume change, I think, is very interesting here. Because in the last scene, we see her, she's wearing um, uh, like a little face uh, like mask, uh, masquerade ball sort of uh mask and and she's got this sort of cagey black looking dress i love that dress up and she's like uh very um kind of caged up in her costume mm-hmm. uh, and in the bath scene her hair is down and she has this much more uh sort of neutral peach colored uh like like loungewear dress uh, for me it was a very striking costume change and they took off her really intense makeup too mm-hmm. yeah like she's very like closed off in her costumes in the in this orgy scene as opposed to this one it's it's all about i don't know opening up i guess and it's white which is like yeah significant yeah it is it's just a huge change and it's a huge it sets the tone of the scene as well with the makeup but they were talking about how jennifer always has this really dark heavy eye makeup and that this is one of like i think three scenes in the whole show where she doesn't have it on um Hmm. and the other ones are when she's like a kid and before she undergoes the fancy I'm a pretty witch now transformation. Interesting. Yeah. And so that probably goes into the whole like visual metaphor of like, she's being herself now. Instead of vulnerability. Yeah. But she's still being very seductive, but she's not using the sex magic that we've seen earlier Mm. to do it. Right. She's sort of using her own. Her feminine wiles. Yeah. I mean, so the way they do magic in this show is that it's not very visual. Mm -hmm. Like, you see, like, if there's any hand motions, you see the hand motions, and you see, like, an effect. Where it's like, uh, in the very first episode, you see him use, uh, see Geralt use Ard, where he just does, like, a weird little hand motion, and then a bunch of people just fly back. Like, there's no, like, sparks or glow or anything like that. It's just very, like, cause and effect. I would kind of argue that she is trying to do magic. Because later, in another scene, she talks about, like, oh, it took me forever to try to get into that head of yours. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. she's trying Mm -hmm. multiple times. At least Mm -hmm. she's not purely using magic. Or, you know, maybe it's because she can't because Geralt is a mutant. (laughs) Maybe he's not susceptible to magic in the same way. Um, mm. But you would think that if she could just use magic, then she wouldn't have to um, dress up or, you know, be visually seductive, you know, be charming with him, have this sort of back and forth banter. You know, she she does this whole act with him. Maybe that's part of the magic. But we've seen her with her sex magic earlier, and she's not really doing these you know, this the same sort of act, this full body act. It also mm-hmm. seems to me at least that uh, Geralt is uh, one of the few genuinely like interesting people that she's met in quite some time that she is curious about and doesn't know everything about. And 
poses a challenge to her in mm-hmm. a way that say that the townspeople or the elven druid in the other village don't pose. So I, I think part of it um, sure is like her regrouping, trying to figure out another plan of attack mm-hmm. for her to mm-hmm. use magic on him. But I think she is kind of just interested in the novelty of having a conversation with person with a person that she uh, genuinely wants to know more about. And if she did undergo this transformation to become beautiful, it makes sense that she would want to, you know, experience that, have other people experience it. Hmm. But it, yeah. it all creates a, an interesting just juxtaposition to how she presents herself earlier. Yeah, where she's kind of like, I was trying to do this kind of sleek, sexy, powerful thing. Mm-hmm. Right, like, right. Well, right. that's not working at the moment. So, like, what's your whole deal? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Oh, and another little fun trivia bit is that whenever in the show you see full frontal from Yennefer, you will not see her body and her face in the same frame because they use a body double for any, like, full nudity. The actress <laughs> Anya Chalada? Oh, that's probably wrong. Anyway, Anya, she's got a body double for any, like, full nudity, but she'll do, like, top-up kind of stuff. Hmm. Um, so, like, that's her for sure when she's, like, in the tub, but when she's walking around the side and taking off the robe, that's not mm-hmm. her. Which goes to show that... What do you think it's like to be cast as a butt double? That's what yeah. I was wondering. Like, <laughs> how do you prepare for a job where it's like, your job is to look like somebody else with no clothes on? <laughs> Like, what's the career path there? Is it similar to stunt double? I don't know. Do we get the sense in this scene that Geralt is understanding what Yennefer is trying to do and that he's just sort of going along with it? Or does he seem clueless, the sex magics? He does seem like he has his guard up pretty high from the get-go. I don't know that he necessarily anticipates... Uh, like sex magic it, it, that concretely, but it it does seem like he's fairly aware that she's trying to seduce him mm-hmm. for Reddit, whatever reason. I, I don't think he understands to what ends, but he definitely has his guard up at, at that point. Mm-hmm. And he does, I, I, I can't remember what the exact line is, but she's, she's talking about his um, scars and um Geralt gives this like she sort of comments that he's an interesting product of of magic and that he should be grateful for it Geralt gives this like snarky little I didn't ask to be born kind of answer and he does like get out of the tub and just kind of go leave to check on his friend so Mm -hmm. it, it it does seem like he to to me that he knows he knows that something's up but can't exactly ascertain like where it's all going Mm -hmm. yeah i haven't seen the series but i would imagine if your like whole existence is just like fighting monsters and dealing with people that have magical powers you probably wouldn't trust anyone right off the bat you know right he he leads a very mercenary existence Mm -hmm. traveling from place to place killing monsters for coins his interactions just based on who he is as a witcher are based on uh, transactionary interactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they both really have transactional lives and viewpoints and interactions, you know? Mm-hmm. Hers is related to power, his seems to be related to money. And, and I think I think that is pointed to a little bit when he sort of is is complaining that he's going to have to pay her a bunch of money for mm-hmm. the services that she's providing and she says uh, no your your company on conversation are what I deem to be payment and he seems to be very uh, confused and anxious mm-hmm. about that it, it seems to completely go contrary to his mm-hmm. view of how the world works mm-hmm. you get the sense that he would almost rather just pay the money and be done with it right and like all of the witcher stuff, mages and witches, they have this very, very strong kind of reputation for being tricky and conniving and manipulative. So that like as soon as he kind of hears that, oh no, 
it was cool for you to just talk to me and that's all I'm going to need. He's like, I think at that point he knows something's up. Mm -hmm. Like, especially we're like, oh, I didn't pay you anything. We just talked and that was enough. I don't think so. So how does the, how does this bathtub scene hold up as a sex scene? I I wasn't sure whether to include this one. I I decided to because it had a full frontal in it. And I thought, Mm -hmm. well, that's kind of up the alley of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And you don't see what their hands are doing under the water. That's true. For the most part, they're facing away from each other and their shoulders don't really go back enough to like... (laughs) They've got really long arms, both of them. Yes. Jennifer uses more of her sex magic to make their arms long enough. It's like Elastigirl arms. Yes, (laughs) Elastigirl arms. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, it's not... I mean, clearly it's not a sex scene because there's nothing that happens in there. Aside mm-hmm. from, like, they see each other. It's There's that tension scene. Yes. Yeah, right. it very much kind of helps add to that, like, sexual, potentially romantic tension between them. Which gets bigger as a it's scene. It's a really sexy scene, too. Yeah, it's, like, visually mm-hmm. very, like, sexual, but not, like, I don't know how to say it. It's not choreographed sex. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I I don't have anything fancy to say about it aside from that it's interesting. Um, where they do like back to back, they're not looking at each other. Aside from like when they want to say something snarky or mean, they turn towards each other. Mm-hmm. And there's that bit where like she takes off the robe, and then Geralt is like, "Oh, she's naked. I'm gonna look away." But then looks in the mirror, and she moves the mirror. His response and, uh, is, "That's cheating." They're both having a lot of fun with the sort of back and forth you know, are we or won't we sort of tension that, that they're building. At least yeah. at least in the build up to them getting into the tub and revealing their sort of ugly childhoods. My yeah. my favorite uh example of, of their witty banter actually actually in the whole series is a little bit later when she's trying to do the genie thing and, and she says the line, Tell me how stuff works. I just laugh every time. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good i do love that where she's like yeah tell me how stuff works go ahead yeah mansplain magic to me the magician i do love that but overall not really a sex scene but it is sexy yes and i, I would say sexier than the actual sex scene that follows at the end of the episode yeah because this scene is like way longer than the actual sex scene right and Just... a lot more graphic. I mean, we see more. We barely see anything in the in the end of this in the end scene. You see more skin, but in that last scene, even though there's clothes, you're like, oh boy, that's right. a lot, huh? Right. Which I think and... is a good transition to start talking about that. So they have this very near death experience where the house caves in after they get the genie to go away, and everybody thinks they're dead, and it's very dramatic. But then, like, a second later, it turns out that Jennifer's portaled them down to a lower story where things aren't quite so busted. And they have this little back and forth about, you mess things up. No, you mess things up. And then they just start making out and going at it. It's one of my kind of least favorite tropes, but, like, of the, like, our regular tension turns to sexual tension. Mm-hmm. Or, like, when you're in a fight and then you just start make it out i mean i don't i don't understand it really i get that like you've got the blood pumping and there's kind of adrenaline and then you i guess kind of channel that in a different way but i don't know it's one of my least well, favorite things it's it's a i mean it's a moment of catharsis because they have both just died and the uh the arguments that they having are are not independent of their sex- sexual chemistry Right, mm-hmm. like, like they, the sexual tension between them had existed since they had met, and comes comes out um, uh, often often manifests as them having heated arguments with each other. I don't, I don't think that those things are necessarily uh, independent of each other. Yeah, I guess they do have a very kind of like personality wise. They definitely clash a lot, and I think the. The back and forth is kind of important for them. Mm-hmm. Like they know they can stand up to each other. And then, I don't know, they both know that they're hot. 
God, I don't have anything. <laughs> as much as I'm not super fond of fights that turn into sex, I do like how this scene is played out because they have that weird, like, Renaissance fair music in the background. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like when it first starts, it's like, this is the weirdest musical choice for a sex scene. <laughs> but then it turns into like the whole humorous thing of like, they're having sex and then like Yasker and the elven doctor are like so sad because they think they're dead and then they like look in the window and they're like okay well they're not dead <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah the comedy in this last scene plays a lot more i think it plays out a lot better than the comedy of the orgy scene because mm-hmm. a i yes. think it's presented better and there's not that sort of dark undercurrent where you're thinking wait a minute these people were not willing participants in this right yeah. i think they play i think i think they execute the humor of the scene much more effectively here at the end mm-hmm. it's uh it's a lot more streamlined and i like that there's not so many people involved and it's very quick we get it they're having sex and now other people see they're having sex and then that's how they mm-hmm. find out that they're not dead whereas like the orgy thing is really drawn out where it's like, I'm just going to throw Yasker at some people that are banging and hopefully they don't do anything to him, hopefully. Did uh, anyone have as much sympathy for the other uh, uh, druid character as I did, the the healer in the, the other town? Oh, the uh, the elven doctor guy? Yeah, the elven doctor guy. His, his story, like just, just the little bits we see of it, is to, to me just very tragic like he he's trying to trying to be a doctor right and he goes to arrest Yennefer because um she has declared that taxation is illegal uh under the constitution and (laughs) he like goes and like can't handle her because she's like too powerful and he falls in love with her and he goes back to the village and he's like trying to protect these people that come in from like messing with her. And then he like tries to help Geralt from uh, uh, Yennefer's spell and gets thrown in jail and presumably is about to get executed with Geralt. And, and then thinks that Yennefer who he's in love with is dead uh, and is mourning her and discovers that she's alive because she's having sex with the guy that he just saved or tried to save. I don't know. That's a that's a bad deal to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's definitely having like a really bad day because all of that happens within like, what, 28, 48 hours? <laughs> These people show up and then they... he tries to not get them to go to the person he loves and they do anyway. And then he tries to stop one of them from like murdering people in the street. And then he gets caught for that. And then he thinks they're dead. And then it's just one thing after another. I like the symbolism of, uh, of, of sex being the affirming action of life here. I think it works well being played for laughs. um, But I think it also, Kind of, I think it contrasts nicely with Yennefer's motivations around her infertility and this, you know, near death that they just experienced, and the, you know, life creating act that sex is often used as, um, as well as just sort of the, you know, pleasure that they're taking in it. I think it makes it makes a lot of sense that that's sort of where it ends up. It feels like a natural progression from both where they were earlier with the bath scene and they're back and forth and then also as the apotheosis to the fight and the near death that they just had with the chin was that good enough megan was that a good was that a good point <laughs> profound that was a good point yes megan do you want to um speak on the the wish that um Geralt makes that makes the genie go away yes so it's not clear in the show what the wish is um because they have it kind of there's too much going on in the room and you can't hear what it is and i haven't i haven't gotten through the books enough to see what the books say the wish is um because it's also at the end of the story this is based on the last wish um it is left pretty ambiguous so you don't know um but in the 
games in uh, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, there is a mission where you go with Yennefer to find another djinn because it turns out that his last wish is that they are to forever be bonded through magic. That's why part of the scene kind of bugs me because I think it is, it is like, you know, that we almost died, but, you know, now we're alive and let's do a life making act. Um, but then part of it for me is like, that might be more gin sex magic rather than something else. I think they also talk about it a little bit later in the series too, where she's like, why did you wish for us to be stuck together? Like when they're having that fight on top of the mountain. Um, Made any wish? Could he have said anything? He could so have said anything. Why did he pick something so binding? I don't know. I guess, you know, it's, I feel like it has to be the thing with like, you know, those 90 day fiance shows <laughs> mm-hmm. where it's like, we've known each other for such a short amount of time, but like, let's go for it. Let's get married. I feel like it's kind of like that where it's like, I've known you for less than a day, but like, you seem cool and I want you to yeah. not die. So let's be stuck together forever. Why not? So I, I have not um, read very far into the books, but my understanding is that, is, is that we, we don't know that he necessarily intentionally wished for them to like be magically bonded to each other or whatever. We just know that it ended up having that effect. My, uh, after, after watching this series, and I don't know if this lines up with, um, with what the books say, but my thought was that Geralt wished for her to, like, get what she wanted in some way that, that didn't hurt her, which would mean uh, her being able to conceive a baby, which I, th- I think would have possibly, like, roped Geralt into that fate. Like, if, if the wish is for her to, like, make, make that possible... Then, then Geralt's a uh, piece of the puzzle there as as the father to her future baby. Yeah, it's a very gin uh, way of fulfilling the wish, right? The mm. not gonna gins are like monkey paws where the wish doesn't get fulfilled in a straightforward kind of way. Right. Yeah, I do get that. Where like you have to be very careful about what you say because they'll do whatever they want. I don't think it's to cure her infertility. Because at least in in like the books that are set like way after this happens, uh, she's definitely still infertile. It just doesn't really bug her very much. I could see it if it's like if it's where she just wants to have a child and maybe just to be like a parent, but not like to birth a child. Because then if she and Geralt are tied together, she gets a magical joint custody of Ciri. Yeah, yeah. I I don't mean uh, like literally birth a child but for her to 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 have to have her um goals fulfilled in some way uh, mm. that that would uh that the the relationship between her and Geralt and Siri being included would be a way of fulfilling that wish think they have condoms uh <laughs> there was a sawbones episode i listened to which talked about like older versions of birth control like i mean because you can make you know like sausage casings how they're made Mm -hmm. out of like animal intestines um (laughs) i assume it's the same idea um and they also had other things where it was like you put a sponge with some sort of spermicide on it and you just kind of tuck it up there and hope that that does it um (laughs) Or, like, certain herbs you can eat yeah. would stop you from doing that. Um, I assume that since they're both magical, they're both magically... Oh, I think they are actually both magically impervious to, like, sickness. So I think that ties over into, like, STDs, STIs, stuff like that. Well, and, but I don't, I don't... I know that's true of Geralt and Yennefer, but I don't think that's true of the 40 people in the basement. That's... Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, hopefully nobody has, like, what would be around at that time? Syphilis or something? Well, let's be real, they probably all have syphilis. They are all wonderfully clean, though. All the naked body, you know, this is, what, probably a smallish town? Mm. How often do people bathe? How often are people working with their hands? And they're all 
immaculately hairless. Yep, I was just gonna say that. Rather thin, (laughs) too. It's just there, but it's a cacophony of wide bodies. Yeah, yeah, like hot, white, hairless people. (laughs) He's the only one, though. Yeah, I. That's another one of my pet peeves for movies, too, is when it's like, Mm -hmm. it's medieval, but don't worry, I have shaved pits and legs. Like, that's not happening. And my hair is perfectly curled, and look at my eye makeup. Yeah. Yeah. At least, like, for witches and stuff, that kind of makes sense for, like, makeup and things. And they're magically created to be beautiful, so she probably has, like, magical laser hair removal or something like that. (laughs) But, like, yeah, just regular townsfolk. And, I mean, like, maybe you could imply that these are all, like, powerful upper crust of this town. But, like, it's still not mm-hmm. a very big town. No. And I like, also thought it was... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I don't really know, like, if this is something to be read into. But I did, coming into the series, having not seen it before, I thought it was interesting that they cast someone who is not white as Yennefer, but then like all of the town's people were all like skinny, hot white people. You know what I mean? So it's Mm -hmm. like, she's very like exotic and other. That was just notable. Yeah. I think that ties into it. I mean, so in other episodes they do, they do have like other people of color in the show, which is nice because they don't have like that kind of whitewashed Europe feel to it. Because it's not Europe. It's a different place and a different time and a different universe. And I mean, there are still black people in Europe in medieval times. But yeah, they do have that kind of otherness to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that probably ties into it. That's, it's a, like that's exoticism. Mm-hmm. That, that's emphasized too. Um, it, the other uh, non-white characters that I can think of off the top of my head are um, both the the elves who are... Uh, the, there's the, the young boy elf and like the leader elf that are with Siri uh, and and they're both black mm-hmm. um but they're also these you know very very much othered co- compared to the I mean they're literally mm-hmm. non-human mm-hmm. uh <laughs> so th- there's that too yeah and then there is also Fringilla I think she is in this episode she's the enchantress for Nilfgaard she's the only black lady mage. Although I guess is Triss? I'm not certain. Triss I think isn't white. I should have looked this up beforehand. But yeah, but then she's also like one of the villains, so that's not a great look for them. The problem with the series, um, generally from what I remember, because in the games um, uh, Nilfgaard is is sort of portrayed as like this kind of uh, orientalized uh, like eastern invader uh, so the, the, like their their culture and their uh, military garb is like very reminiscent to me of uh, the, the Mongols or or the the Ottoman Empire uh, you know these these like foreign hordes coming in and I feel like they also get played up as much more effeminate I think that sort of gets used mm-hmm. to represent their exoticness like many of the men wear eye makeup they talk in a pronounced accent it tends to be a higher register and much more sort of florally language and their dress is much more um you know much fancier mm. than than the ruddy ruddy northern folk it, yeah and and when we do see those characters too they they tend to be presented as like skeeving and 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 conniving and you know they're politically motivated. Almost all the the characters that I can think of in in the games and in the show, off the top of my head, that are effeminate like that, tend to be like in royal courts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, where whereas we don't see like the you know the the down to earth blue collar uh, Geralt who gets his hands dirty and does what has to be done. You know he. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get to be effeminate at all. The only exception that I can think of really is is Yaskier, who is um, you know more into colorful clothes and and has a bit of a more flamboyant personality, even though he's he's very much straight. But and even he is is sort of you know portrayed as like kind of weak and useless. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. sort of annoying. You know, he he is funny, and I I enjoy him as a character, but he doesn't seem to really bring anything to the table most of the time. If if anything, he causes trouble. I mean, he he is the ins- the inciting actor of this episode because he is uh, too emotional to uh, uh, let Geralt do his thing. Yeah, and like a little bit from the books too, he does that every once in a while. I mean, for the majority in the books, he is helpful and he's really just tagging along because he's friends with people and he wants to like make more ballads and stuff. But some of the times Geralt is like, okay, let me do the talking. And then Yasker, or he's called Dandelion in the books and the games, just says like, no, I'm the fancy bard man. I will do the talking. And then just like messes things up completely. Mm-hmm. He's very much just like in the way comic relief man. And you were talking about the otherness of like Nilfgaard and the elves. Like those two also, aside from like the elder speech stuff, like the elves and the Nilfgaardians are the only ones that have their own language. Like everybody else speaks common or whatever they call it in the show. I don't think they name it. But like they also have their own language and they're totally separate from everything else. Mm-hmm. And like a majority like you said, of the brown people that we see are elves or the one witch that works for Nilfgaard. And there's some like background characters here and there too, but it's just like, mm. The elves, yeah, there's just, if you look at the aesthetic of like their costume design and hair and makeup and everything, it's very tribal and like, mm. just very, it's it's just exoticism. Yeah, the elves in this episode are a little bit different than the elves in other things. Oh. I mean, elves aren't really front and center in this series. Um, the people that we actually see in the forest, the Brokolon forest, they're not necessarily all elves. I don't actually think, I think aside from Dara the boy, I don't think any of them are actually elves. Um, they're more like mystical dryads that live in this magic forest. Um, Gotcha. Yeah. And like elves in the books and the video games are very much, they are still like exoticized and stuff because they're a different species and they have this whole like genocide thing towards them. But they do, for the most part, dress like other people. They just look a little more down and out. It's it's interesting though, because the, the casting of the series was like very controversial to certain slices of of the audience for for the books and the games that you can find tons of uh, posts on like Reddit and news articles and and all that kind of stuff uh, bemoaning you know uh, PC culture and forced di- diversity because there are a significant number of uh, of characters that are played by non-white actors uh and it seemed to either be hailed as like this great progressive action or derided as like uh pc culture and like uh uh, gone gone amok or whatever you know that that Mm. those people are never happy but it it does it does sort of strike me that at least to me the racial diversity is not all that significant uh, at, at least in this episode, I'd have to go back and watch the whole series, but it it does seem like pretty tokenized still. To mm-hmm. me. I mean, it's it's definitely better than other series, especially other fantasy series. Thinking mostly about Game of Thrones, and ugh. but yeah, it feels like like I don't know. I always feel torn about this kind of stuff. Of like, did they try to do a good job and then just weren't very good at doing a good job, or like? Did they just try for the sake of saying we tried and no mm-hmm. one can judge us? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Either way, it's not executed super great. It's better than nothing, but the bar's not very high. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I don't know if we want to do like kind of a a rating or like a yay or nay, but like I would say that all of these scenes kind of justified themselves to me. Mm-hmm. Or like there was enough going on that it wasn't just like here's two hot actors we thought would be very pretty and hot together. I'm a very creepy executive producer and I want to see this actress do this. 
I thought there was enough contextual stuff going on. They were like visually interesting and plot wise interesting that like, I think they were cool. I would say they are not senseless. Yeah, I would agree that uh, especially for those of us who have played the games and know that Geralt and Yennefer end up having a history together, that there there's a it's nice to see their beginnings together um, and the sex scenes, the intimacy feels justified and fairly well executed, if not a little campy at times. I rate this episode four out of five naked Geralt's. <laughs> That's our new rating scale. Yeah. Four out of five Geralt's and tubs. What made it not a five Geralt's? Um, I, I just, you know, there wasn't any peen in this episode, and that's really what I would like. There we go. That's the that's quality. the ultimate five star rating. Is There's like not visually any, any penis, David, but they do talk about Geralt's penis. That is true. Uh, actually, if I had if I had to give a real answer, it would be that the the everything except for the orgy scene, I I really enjoyed. Um, the you know the orgy scene, especially as it's uh, Yennefer's introduction to to Geralt and vice versa just didn't quite sit right with me and i understand that uh yennefer is portrayed as like a very morally ambiguous character and like has some issues but the the fact that that's not really explored or commented on and then the end of it is played for last just uh, was a little bit unsettling not not enough to make to like seriously detract from the episode as a whole to me, but enough to keep it from getting that, that fifth uh, nude Geralt sculpture. I agree. Mm-hmm. And it was played off as being so, yeah, played off for laughs. And it's just given the time that it was made, it's just inappropriate to normalize any anything remotely in that realm of non-consensual. Yeah, they, as a series, The Witcher doesn't shy away from like non-consensual sex happens um they usually do a pretty good job about not showing it and not talking about it any more than they have to but i mean it is present in the universe and it's disappointing (laughs) yeah yeah to to be clear i don't necessarily take issue with with that sort of thing being presented because uh, it's uh, like unfortunately part of the human experience and i don't think that it's a bad thing to reflect that in art uh, but playing it for laughs and not treating it with the seriousness that I think that it deserves is uh, just feels unacceptable to me. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. I think that was a good way of putting it. Wow. Good job, team. Episode one. Woo! Yay. That was 99% invisible. We are all <laughs> Roman Mars. I've been Roman Mars with my good co-hosts, Roman Mars, Roman Mars, and Roman Mars. <laughs> All right. You, well. you can follow me at at underscore unyx underscore on Twitter for all of the <laughs> the, the several people listening to this. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button and hit that bell to get reminded when we put out a new episode. Thanks that for joining us. This has been on- episode <laughs> name. Slap that like button. Subscribe to us on Patreon. Uh, and also Casper mattresses. They're really good mattresses. <laughs> This episode brought to you by Quip, the good habits company. (laughs) I think this is really smart. We just do free advertisements for these companies and then retroactively demand money for them. I think that's where this is going to go. Yeah. It's a good business model. It'll go far. I can tell.